No, that's totally fine. I wasn't expecting someone I had only ever talked to the time that I said, hey, we should talk to, hey, we should meet up and podcast together while you're in New York. But I I do want to say he missed out on some good pizza experiences. And that's the truth. He missed out on some good, let's go to this nice bar experiences. Mm -hmm. I could have took him to the oldest brewery uh, in New York, which is also somewhere Abraham Lincoln drank beer. But you know what? You know what? He didn't do it. He didn't do it. He fucking blew it. So yep. now... Yeah, friendship's over. No, 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 no. AOS no, World no. Tour canceled. Now, when I come to Australia, I'm going to stay at his house. He doesn't even know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. perfect. Yeah, he's going to wake up one day and have some fucking drunk New York guy in his house. And I'm, then you're going to knock on the door. I'm going to probably also have my wife and my child with me, so I hope you got room for a baby, Sam. I'm coming for you. A kid got to get get a bassinet or something for her. She's small. She could get she'll get hurt. And that's on you, Sam. And that's on you. You don't want that on your I, on your conscience. I don't know how you sleep at night, Sam Morgan. This program contains strong language. Welcome back. Rage Sigmar. Welcome back, everybody. We are back. This is your assistant junior co-associate host, Guesty, Jacob Berry. And with me, as always, we've got our world-famous national treasure global icon, Joseph M. Pagano. Welcome, Joe. How you fucking doing? <laughs> How you been, man? What you been up to? Ah, oh, man. I, I've been pretty good. Um, but before I get into anything, I do want to make a couple comments on what went on in the last couple weeks for us. And uh, I, if you listen to our podcast in our last episode, I kind of went on a rant. I went on a rant about a specific person, and it, it became kind of personal, and it wasn't really meant to be as personal as everyone took it. It was meant to be like a kind of like an attack on poor sportsmanship. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm not backpedaling about what I said. I'm not apologizing for what I said. I am who I am. This is me. I am this person. This podcast is an outlet for me and Jacob to be creative and express ourselves as who we as who we are. You know what I mean. And if you, as a listener, are uh, have a big disagreement or a big problem with the things that we say, I think the best bet for you is to not listen and not listen to the things we say because that's like me like watching Fox News all day and just being perpetually angry. angry. Yep. <laughs> um. Some people had some things to say. So there were some, you know, at first we were very immature about it and like kind of just like made fun of the people who were talking to us and doing what we do, being trolls. But uh, I, I do want to say that um, Matt Darkins is one of the dudes who really talked to us about it. And uh, it, it got heated on Twitter publicly. And then I, I messaged Matt and I was like, hey, buddy, let's just chat this out. We kind of both talked to each other about it. And uh, I just want to say the guy's got a lot of integrity. It took some stones to come out, and def- he's just defending his friend. He's defending what he believes in, and uh, I was kind of talking about how where I come from and how I grew up and all this shit that are factors that you know we don't know about each other, and we kind of boil it down to being like you know agree to disagree on these things. We're probably not a bad guy. I'm not a bad guy. No one's really inherently evil here. It's just yeah. that we disagreed on something and it went one way, and it, they didn't like the way it went. That's fine. And, uh, you know, Matt said, hey, if you're ever in the UK, look me up for a game and we'll, we'll buy each other a beer. And I think that's a commendable thing to put that behind him. We put what we had behind us and we're moving forward. So 
Um, if you're listening to this episode looking forward to more trash talk about the person that was mentioned or uh, more talk about the specific instances that had happened, this is all you're going to hear. It's This is done for us. And uh, if you can't let it go, um, that's on you because we're letting it go. And I, obviously, I'm not out looking for someone to be like, we forgive you. Like, don't you don't have to forgive us. You don't. If no, you, if, this is an apology. Yes. We're saying- no. This is who we are. This is who I am. If you did not like what I had to say because it was about your friend, I understand completely. I was just defending my friend in the way I know how to defend my friend. Which that's, is shouting on the internet. Which, which is, is shouting on the internet, or if it would be shouting in person if it wasn't person. That's just how I am. <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm not like going out there looking to start fights. I just but anyway, and then if you were super offended or you did not like the way that went and you don't know this person and you were just offended by the way I went about it, this podcast is unfortunately not for you. Probably not the right thing for you to be listening to. Yeah. And that's fine. I, I feel like this community as this is from my own experience, I'm not generalizing you, but like the nerd community is generally social outcasts. A lot of us had a hard time finding you know our niche somewhere and then you found it here in warhammer so you want everyone to get along because you didn't always get along with everyone and like for me i did not find that in warhammer first i found it in like the hardcore scene and when you say hardcore you mean like hardcore music hardcore punk yeah and it's a scene where like it's all about a lot of unity and like friendship and um doing all these things but also there's like a ton of beef in it so like that's totally normal for me to be like, oh yeah, we all love this music, we all love the atmosphere and everything it gets us, but also there's like 50 people at this show that I don't like and don't like me, and we exist in this thing, and like, yeah, there were tons of fights, it happened all the time, so like, that's where I draw, like, my personality is from, because that's what saved me as a being a social outcast, yeah. and then I kind of found a lot of that unity and friendship also in Warhammer, you know, because mm-hmm. the first dudes that I started playing Warhammer with in California was uh, my buddy Justin Watt. He's a great friend, and he's a hardcore kid. So we had all that in common. We talked about shows. We went to shows together. We fucking played Warhammer. We played D&D. But we were also into hardcore, and, like, we knew what scene beef was like. We knew what all that. So that's, like, a thing that is normal to me. So when yeah. someone, like, made one of us upset or did something to one of my friends, it was a fucking huge thing growing up so that's still part of me It'll always and be you part weren't of me. you weren't afraid to to step into that conflict right you're like no i have it's, I, it's okay it's okay to not like each other it's okay to air out that beef and once it's done it's done and you're like yeah. I don't, i'm gonna go back to doing what there i enjoy there are plenty of dudes that I, i'm gonna go back to yeah playing warhammer we can still exist in the same scene even if we're not gonna ever like each other dude there's plenty of times i've been at shows and gotten into a fight with a dude and then the next time i saw him at a show we talked about it and now we were boy then we were boys yeah, you know, what I mean, that's just the way it was for me. So that's who I am. I'm not going to change that. I shouldn't have to change that because I'm part of this community. Yeah, I'm just seeing things a different way than the way the rest of the community sees it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think the unfortunate part is we all, since we're part of a niche community, you have this like deep part of you that you're like, we should all get along. We should all like each other. We should all, and that's just not how human beings are. Yeah, like you give everyone a fair shot, blank slate. But then once there's that blank slate has changed. That's what it is. And then you have to work to change that. So if 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 someone is, has like a problem with the one of us, we're not going to like instantly, like if we don't know you, dude, and you're like super offended by us and like you come up and you're like, hey, fuck you, man. I'm going to be like, fuck you too, dude. I don't even know you. Like, <laughs> Who are you to me? But like if we run into you at a tournament or an event and you're like, hey, I really didn't like that. I, my only thing would be like, hey, dude, I understand you didn't like that. 
I'm not going to be a dick to you because you didn't like that. I'm not going to be a dick to you because you're friends with a person that I don't like. I don't judge people on that, dude. I'm friends with plenty of people people don't like, you know? And Exhibit A. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, to those listening, which is everyone except for Lindsay, I pointed at myself. Yeah. So um, on, the all, on the overall, it's, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Um, I'm going to defend my friends, and you're going to defend your friends. You're going to defend your opinions. I'm going to defend mine. And that's all that is. And, uh, if you know, that's, that's just is what it is. You know what I mean? Like that, I can't go any further into that. If you don't like the things we say, if you don't find us funny, that's absolutely fine. Our wives don't find us funny. They live with us. Mm-hmm. You can do just fine. Did you hear Lindsay cackle <laughs> in the background? <laughs> she doesn't laugh at anything you say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Oh my God. Well, let's go ahead and pivot and talk about someone I don't like, which is Mike Scaletti. <laughs> <laughs> I love Mike. I really do. I said it. I said it on air. I love you, Mike Scully. There it is. The first time too ever. Bad. It's really too bad he couldn't make it to your wedding. I know, dude. I really wanted him there. Anyway, we're going to continue on to talking about things that people who don't know us personally are going to understand. Sure. Um, Joe, what are you working on with your hobby? Uh, dude. Uh, well, I decided to take a small break from Deepkin. I just started my paternity leave. Uh, unfortunately, let's touch on that real quick. My most liked Twitter tweet ever is the one I make a joke about being a bad dad and ignoring my kid while on paternity leave. Um, Lindsay's not still in earshot, is she? Okay, good. Yeah. Um, so I tweeted out on my personal Twitter, like, paternity leave started a few hours early with work being canceled to the high winds. Let's get these deep in done. I mean, let's be a good father. <laughs> I got, that's not a most like tweet so now i feel like a real piece of shit so but anyway um i got out of work obviously at like i got to work on friday uh, and uh for those of you who don't know like i work construction so we have these outside hoists on these big buildings we build in new york i'm a union sheet metal worker so we're building these 90 story buildings right this building i'm in is like 72 stories tall it's right on the west side tons of wind over there so we have these outside elevators and those elevators don't run if there's high winds, it's, it's like over 35. They're not supposed to run, and they shut them off at like 45. So the winds were at 60 miles an hour. So they were running them only to like the nice. lower floors, to like 40. But since it was my last day before my six-week paternity leave, I had to walk from 40 to 56 to get my tools <laughs> <laughs> and then carry them down the stairs and then take the elevator down and leave. So it was a workout. It was exhausting. But I left work at uh, 7.35 in the morning. Yeah. So I get I get paid for two hours per my union contract, which is fine. And I got home, and I uh, dicked around with some terrain, really, because I was having a, a buddy, my buddy Mark, my best friend growing up, loved the good dude to death. He was coming over on uh, Friday night to play his first game at Age of Sigmar with his uh, disciples of Zine she just bought. So nice. I painted some terrain to kind of make my board look a little nicer. Obviously, all my terrain's not painted. There's no way I don't have the time to do that right now, but... Sure. We did bust out all the stuff Anthony painted, uh, printed up for me, um, which was pretty sweet. And I, I got – it's actually a nice day today, so after we're done recording, I might run outside and prime the rest of it and maybe get the rest done over the next couple weeks. Nice. And so you did – talk me through – because I saw a picture on Twitter where you had put a bunch of like neon-looking inscriptions on, on one of those train pieces. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I put some like glyphs, and then like there's like a circle bit. Like a, it kind of looks like a Celtic knot in the center, and I like painted like some Latin satanic shit from a Black Dahlia Murder song around that, and like bright <laughs> orange, and then I did some green glyphs, kind of looks looks super evil, but yeah, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, that's all the hobby you've been up to since the last show. Um, 
I painted one more eel rider. He's pretty much done, and then uh, I got two more on the desk to finish from my Teepkin army. And uh, I also built the first uh, big model. Well, I have a couple models built from my flesh eater quartz, but I converted a zombie star drake. Yeah, I'm excited to see that one. So if any, seen- I'm sure people are listening and be like, "Man, I want to see that zombie star drake," and it, it's it's it came out pretty sweet so far. But um, I'm actually thinking about getting a, a domain for uh, Rage of Sigmar, and then we could post like hobby updates on that and yeah. uh, do little, you know. Also keep track of some other information we're going to talk about later in this episode. Um, Definitely. So, but basically get that up and running. So maybe in episode five you'll hear about um, like a Rage of Sigmar dot com or something like that. Nice. Um, it might that just it'll great. probably just be a Squarespace website, something easy. I'm not a tech savvy guy. Right. So, uh, what have you been hobbying? So since we last talked, which was the last episode, and I finally had gotten home from that crazy sort of slew of tournaments and, and travel. I finally got to sit back down and actually paint the army that I had been playing for <laughs> that month and a half because I basically had base coated everything and thrown a wash on it, but nothing was finished. So I've been working on, and, and so you know this about me, but I, I don't know if I've told everyone else this. My process is very much um, the assembly line strategy. So I don't batch paint. I don't do like five models at a time. I mix all the paint that I want to use for an armor color, and I put it on my entire army. So I put it on all Luckily, it's a small army, so I put on, like, 35 models, and then I add a little more white, remix it, and do the next coat, uh, which can be sort of mind-numbing when it comes to feeling successful, because <laughs> you don't feel like you've gotten anything done. Uh, but all of the blue armor on the entire army is done. And by that, I mean all the blue armor is done on the models that I played at the last couple tournaments, which I'm promptly going to switch out <laughs> for a bunch of new gray plastic models. Uh, I also bought another two boxes of Dracolines, so I might run nine of the Cat Rider Evocators. All right. Uh, I've been I've been toying with some fun lists that have a bunch of Cav and still have, like, 29 models in them. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, it should be fun. Um, but and I next step is to redo all the weapons. So what I did in a bit of haste was just I had white primer on all the weapons, and I hit it with the Hex Wraith Flame, yeah, which is like the glaze slash wash effect, and it came out looking cool. They're sort of glowy, but it's really not subtle. It's just it's very clear that I just threw a, wa- a wash of that on it and it's done. So I'm gonna go back and actually highlight all of those and get the edge highlighting done and maybe do some OSL so that I can actually make them look good. As a, so like I'm taking what was a lazy effect and actually putting enough effort into it to make it look good, which is the the goal eventually, right? Yeah. Uh, the other thing I've been working on is a really dumb list idea because I never cannot build lists in my head, even if it's not my army. So I'm thinking about maybe running Daughters of Cain down the line, but not in the, the traditional fashion. I haven't seen anyone running a list like this yet, but that could just be because I'm not paying close enough attention to the Daughters scene. But I really want to run four avatars and Marathi and have a bunch of priests animating the, the avatars early. And then just hitting them with all sorts of buffs and having these like four giant monsters and Marathi running around <laughs> and not doing an infantry heavy list at all. So I'll have three tens of witches, which is not enough witches for a good daughter's list, but that's okay because I don't want to run hordes. I think after I did that corn army with all the blood letters, I just don't want to run hordes anymore. Yeah, I find that, um, especially after painting, I'm at like 35 completed. Namardi, and I got 25 to go. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm not doing any more huge model <laughs> count armies. It's like my flesh eaters have like a lot of big, big models in it. So, 
Yeah, and they're a lot more fun to paint. Like just painting big surface area models is more fun. It's also like I'm I, my flesh eaters. Like I haven't talked about on the show yet, but like I'm planning on converting every single model, and that includes the forty ghouls that I have. Yeah. On the list. So I'm like every single dude is getting like a sword and a shield and maybe some armor put on him. Yeah, and or then like a like, hat. Yeah, or a hat. And then um, every single I have like my list is something like forty crypt ghouls and then nine crypt horrors and two zombie dragons and um uh, uh some of the courtiers right what uh, some of the courtiers well they're they're uh the courtiers are all summoned so they yeah. are part of the painting but they're all vargulfs nice so uh the plan is to summon six vargulfs and 10 ghouls and uh not three cryptors in the first turn and just go ha let's see how this goes <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess I'm charging with everything. If you think that's a bad idea, don't tell me because I already bought all this shit. <laughs> so I don't fuck my day up, please. <laughs> you say that like anyone's gonna tell you right now. I've already yeah. told you it's a bad idea. Yeah. No, yeah, but it's gonna be fun. That's all. Yeah, matters. Exactly. That, that's that's where I go. Like, I listen to these these podcasts where people talk about their list building process and they they make sure that their list can perform in every scenario against every opponent and. They've got all these contingency plans. I'm like, yeah, but what about four avatars and Marathi? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I, I only try to have fun with my list, you know what I mean? So, like, like I stuck a Vargolf. I have one of my Vargolf is in a Citadel tree. Like, he's up in the tree. <laughs> the model's, like, fucking that. seven inches tall. <laughs> like, Tony Pacheco is like, hey, maybe you should, like, put, like, a mark on it, like, so you could say this is the actual height. I'm like, if someone's upset about it being too tall to see, even though it can fly, I don't understand how that works. His flying units can see overall blocking terrain, but whatever. Is that is that true? I don't think they can. I don't know. I just made that up. Yeah, I don't think that's a rule. I think line of sight is the only the only rule in the game. So you're going to be modeling his ass for serious advantage. Uh, I thought um the citadel's trees can see. Oh, you can't citadel, see over the, the citadel woods. would. Yeah, that you does block see. line of sight. Yeah, but that's fine because he's got fly. But at the same time, if someone's like, "Man, I don't like that," I'll be like, "All right, dude. Well, then you you could have it because I I had more fun putting this thing on a tree than I did playing you." So, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, hypothetical guy. Uh, all right, so that was what I was working on. Have you played any games since we last talked? I so I have played one game. I played on Friday night against my like I said, my best friend Mark and. Uh, we busted out of shit. He's played no games total. Yeah, this is his. This is right? his first game at Age of Sigmar. So and your third game, right? And my third game of so AOS let's get two. Deep into the tactics here. Okay, so we played knife tactics, to the heart counter tactics. Yeah, we played twelve fifty. Um, his list was a unit of pink. He just took what he had, right? So like, don't judge right. the guy on his choices. So he had um, a Zangor shaman. Shit. On a disc. Shit. Two units is three d- discs. Two units of shit. I'm just yeah. kidding. Are they were they uh, Skyfires or Enlightened? Uh, Skyfires. Oh, well, they were just discs. So <laughs> I don't know. Could have been either or. I don't know at this point. Um, What's shooting me? It's the invisible Zangor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna. It's we're playing a game in my house, dude. I don't give a shit. So um, he also took two units of ten Zangors. He nice. took a unit of ten horrors and a unit of ten blue horrors, and I think that was his okay. list. Okay, that was his whole list. And then my list was the 1250 list for the um, team tournament in LVL. I just wanted to see how right, I, I would like it, um, which is two units of 30 um, Namardi Thralls and mm-hmm. a unit of six Eels, yep. Morsar Guard, uh, 
a Tidecaster general and a Soul Scryer. So nice. I just first first turn. I had first turn every turn. I always wanted to roll off. I had the least amount of drops. So I um pretty much just was like first turn, dropped my uh my Soul Scryer and my unit of eels and my unit of Namardi, thirty Namardi. Uh, right on top of them, got first turn charges off. I almost killed every horror. I don't know how I didn't kill every horror, but somehow I almost killed every horror. And then he just like cheated a six in for his battle shock and brought him. Yeah, all, brought him all back. Uh, cheated a one. A one. Yeah, excuse me, a one. Yeah. And uh, also, for the record, we're not calling him a cheater. We're referring to the Malifaux <laughs> mechanic where you can pick a card instead of actually flipping your cards, which is what Faith Dice does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, uh, yeah. But pretty much, he fa- used a fate die to get that six, that one in there, and um, brought him back. Kind of pinned me down. I was a little worried about like the, the Marty staying alive, mm-hmm. but I, I just kind of used my command points well and made sure that they didn't have to worry about battle shock when they took big hits. And yeah, in the end, that unit got whittled down to eleven, and then deleted a unit of discs on their own, I think. Nice. And then they got hit with some shit, and they all died. But by then, I don't really remember the whole game perfectly. I'm not like the best battle report guy. But pretty much, and by the time turn three came around, I had a unit, my one unit of thirty Namardi, and my Tidecaster was on my objective, and yeah. I had all my other shit kind of like coming in on his objective. And it was yeah. pretty weak. But it was since I would flip the tides, it was my turn to run. Like I ran one turn, and the next turn okay. my turn to run and charge. Yeah. So I was able to like swing them into him. And at uh, mm-hmm. end of the game, I just had more models around the objective. And it was turn four, so I held the objective. So you won. So I won. So Knife to the Heart is a funny one, because I didn't realize, to you, if one player controls both objectives starting on the third turn, the game just ends. Yeah. But you don't check to see who controls the objectives until the end of your turn. Which, to normal people, means I can't win until the end of turn three. But what it actually means Uh, is if you control them both at the end of two... Turn three starts, even if you're not, you don't have priority, if you control both objectives, game your ends. opponent... Exactly, it's game over. Because you control it at the beginning of turn three. Yep. So that's a funny one that I've never seen happen, but I'm really looking forward to shouting gotcha at somebody. <laughs> gotcha, bitch. Yeah. You stupid bitch. Yeah, that's pretty funny. So yeah, uh, it was fun. Um, it was it was like a, not like a normal game Warhammer because like, Mark's wife was here with their baby mm-hmm. and, you know, Lindsay was here with, you know, with our baby. So there was like a whole bunch of like, uh, can you burp her? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> which is, you know, totally fine. But like it turned like what would have been like a two hour game of Warhammer into like a four hour game Seven. of Warhammer. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it was definitely a great time and uh, Mark is super pumped up. So he actually texted me this morning. He built his uh, Lord of Change already. So, oh, dude, those yeah. are really good. Yeah, so he's. Like, I like Zinch. I like Zinch a lot. It's a song army. I also think you know he played Zinch when we were kids, in mm-hmm. Six Dead. So, it's just suiting to him, right? You know, he's always been like a big fan of of Zinch and magic and all that crap. And would you would you say that it feels like fate? Yeah, it might be like a fate, like a fate die. An art. Of, I don't know. Whatever. But, it's fate. Yeah. It's, it was, it's fate. Yeah, just because. This Sweet. is going to be our least funny episode. Uh, every episode is our least funniest episode. All right. So. so I have played exactly zero games because I'm a nerd. 
Uh, I've been getting really into the competitive Super Smash Brothers scene lately. And no fucking I'm, way. I hate you. I actually, I've been playing a lot at work because there's a guy at work who used to be ranked, I think, fifth in the state of Tennessee. His name is Kyle, and he's really good at fucking Super Smash Brothers. Um, so I went to one local tournament two weeks ago. Wow. I wish I was kidding. It's like it's actually pretty fun. How'd you place? Uh, fifth out of eight. That's not really a tournament. It's like a get-together. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And I still placed really poorly. <laughs> yeah, story of your life. Yeah, that hurt. Yeah, it should. Yeah, good. All right, so we recently got to witness a really fun interaction on the internet when a certain Brendan Melnick of the Cubic Shenanigans podcast found out about the uh, the members of the USA ETC team for Age of Sigmar. And uh, I just want to, before we talk about what he said and before you go on your little rant, Joe, I want to share my experience with this because I thought this was really interesting. Okay. So I've gotten approached by, I think, three or four different people who, when they list of, of who's going to be representing the U.S. on the ETC team, a lot of people's response was, who? You know, because there's, there's a couple names on that list that are well-known. There's people that are, that are good players. And then there's some names that, mo- like, a lot of people, maybe, maybe this is because I'm not part of the ITC scene, but a lot of people's response was, I've never heard of this person. I've never seen his name at the top of any of these U.S. tournaments. How did, he, how did this person get their spot? Which I thought was super interesting. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Uh, here's my thing. Also, I, I went to the ETC for the for Team USA in 2014 or 2015 because there was a last minute drop, and I got to basically act as the the non player captain who sort of quarterbacks and, and gives people advice like I need you to pull back or you know don't get 20 or just preserve five points, whatever it was. Uh, and so it turns out the ETC the way they run um, the way they run the whole event is. It's a first-come, first-serve basis for signing up as the captain. So if, if you, Joe Pagano, having played all of two games before Friday, knew when the ETC sign-up was, and you said, I'm going to be the captain, and you signed up, you get to be the official captain of the USA ETC team. And some countries take it really seriously and have application processes and like a, a serious infrastructure, we'll call it. And... The U.S. hasn't ever had that. Back in 8th edition, we didn't have that. It was a who does the, the captain know and respect in the scene, and that's who they brought along with them. And it seems to have carried over into Age of Sigmar a little bit into that, which I thought was funny. Or, yeah, but Age of Sigmar, it, these guys are West Coast guys, and in 8th edition, it was mainly the New York guys, right? It was. It was like the... The Warmonger dudes? The Laro. Yeah, exactly. Larry, whatever his name is. Yep, Larry Messing. Larry M. No, no. Yeah, something, something like Matola? Italian. Was it Matola? Matola, yeah, yeah. Jared Messing, Lertola. Yeah, so I don't know those guys, even though I'm from New York, never met them, but they ran the deal. But they invited Hengel, right? Hengel played ETC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they, they, like, they actually reached out across the community and like got people from different parts of the country who they knew were good at different different armies and, and could actually fill different gaps tactically. So what, what I really want to say about the picking a player um, thing is it's hard to represent a state, a country as large as the United States, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're in, I don't know, say Belgium or um, you're in uh, Switzerland or, you know, like 
those countries, like, your, your community is going to be like kind of closer to I, each other. You guys are going to interact with each other more. Yeah. If you're playing in tournaments in your country and your country is the size of a U.S. state. Yep. You know, but like if you don't fly for Warhammer in the United States, like me and Jacob fly for Warhammer all the time. But if you don't fly for Warhammer, you're not really meeting guys from the opposite coasts. Yeah. Like we went to uh, from when we were living in California together, we went to Texas all the time. Mm-hmm. Went to Massachusetts. I didn't go to the Massachusetts trip, but yeah, you guys went to Connecticut. You played yep. at Bragging Rights. Um, we went. We've all gone to LVO, except for Jacob hasn't gone yet. So we've gone to Vegas. Yep. I went to Portland to play. Yep. I, I played all over California. I flew out to North Carolina for a tournament. That was Masters, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. So like we kind of interacted a little bit because we were mobile and doing that, and then. Um, like you've gone to Adapticon and all that. Those are the big ones. People go from all over for that. But what when you're like like I've never met any of those guys except for Joe Creer is the only guy mm-hmm. that I've actually met. I don't even think he knows he met me. I like I had to ask someone like was that that guy that I met at LVO that was talking to Ed or whatever? And I, oh yeah, I remember him. I could see his face in my head, right? I don't know these guys. I'm not prolific in the AOS community, but like I would have thought that I would at least recognize one name from the days of playing Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah. Because Masters, um, we had the Masters community in Warhammer Fantasy, and we had yep. the ETC group, and it was like a conversation. And I figured that if you were that into Warhammer Fantasy and you happened to end up in AOS, you would be as interested in traveling like you were. Right. But um, it just seems a little strange. Like, I don't know if it was like the captain, um, his name is Bill, right? Bill? Yeah. I, I follow him on Twitter. He seems like a pretty good guy. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. Maybe he just fucking was like, yo, I know these guys will go. It's hard to get someone to fly. I know they'll fly to wherever it is. It's in Serbia, right? There you go. Yeah, like, going to Serbia as an American, like I said in our last episode, is a (laughs) huge endeavor. So to get someone to commit to that, I know is probably challenging. And also to have the person who commits to it to be, like, a top-notch Warhammer player is probably also challenging. But... When you're in a, a, a country like the United States, maybe your best bet is we should organize some... I'm not saying we're going to do it. I'm not saying Jacob's going to do it. But if someone's that interested in us being a competitive ETC group, we should have a way of selecting the best from a conference. You yeah. have your West Coast, Mountain, Central, East Coast. Yep. So here's the thing is... Well, I mean... We can approach this conversation one of two ways. We can be measured and reasonable and give proactive feedback. Or we can say, what the fuck, Bill? You've been to tournaments and played good people. I know you've played good people because at Nova, you were on the top tables. And I know you played some good Daughters of Cain players. You played some good Ideneth players. I'm sure you played some good Death folks. Bill, you're fucking good at Warhammer because you play a kick-ass Flesh Eater Courts list. How did it not occur to you to approach these people who are really good at Warhammer and say, hey, do you want to go? Also, note, I have no idea if he did this or not. So if you did that, I'm glad you did that. <laughs> but I'm assuming, I'm operating under the assumption that you did no such thing. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to just like bite this guy's head off over him choosing these guys. He has his reasons for choosing these guys. The only, like, at P- and. I know I've only talked to Brendan, and like I said, I met Joe Career once, and they have a past between the two of them, right? <laughs> a serious past. Yeah. If you want to hear, if you want to hear a good ten minute rant, you should listen to Cubic Shenanigans. Uh, Brendan talks. I feel length. like if he didn't censor himself, it would have far been far more 
virulent oh, yeah. than the oh, rant yeah. I went on last time. But <laughs> um, it's so I don't know these guys. I've only met, like I said, I met Joe Kerr once. It wasn't in a playing the game capacity. We were right. just kind of in the same space, and um, like I'm sure Bill has his reasons. But the one guy that doesn't make sense to me is the dude who hasn't even played at any of the national size tournaments, any, any of the major events. Yeah. yeah. Like if you if you live in California, like this dude lives in California, right? Like almost everybody who's Bill Pitt. Bill is Bill is East Coast actually. Really? I think so. I don't I know. Bill, I think Bill's like Pennsylvania or Virginia or. Maybe I'm just I, assuming everyone is from the, the West, the West Coast, Coast because they because all went. Well, they also all went to um, SoCal Open. The SoCal Open. Yeah. But you know, like you can't measure somebody against their local meta. Like you have to right. measure them at your country's meta, like your uh, your national meta. Like on, because, on a national scale. Because I've played a lot of Warhammer Fantasy 8th Edition in the Fresno, when I was living in Fresno. I played in that group, and I won a lot of games. You I were went, a big deal in Fresno. <laughs> no, I wasn't. But I you did, were the guy. I did, I did win a bunch of games. My buddy Justin Watt was like, you know, the top player for that group. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was yeah. just—he was very good. He—he he went to our first California tournament with the West Coast GT, and yeah. Justin went fucking zero and five, <laughs> and got and got tabled. But he did get paired against Ivan in round three because they messed up pairings. Oh, that's awesome. yeah. I don't ever want anyone to have to play Ivan. Yeah, it's like playing the Justin was like it was like playing the computer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you no, know. So I, but actually, no. To your point, like I'm not actually trying to bite Bill's head off because I think he's a bad person. I, I've met him at Nova. I really liked him. Super friendly guy. And I th- I'm sure, like you said, he has his reasons. But I think a good step would be to explain his thinking, have some transparency in this. Because yeah. in a country as large as ours, there is a lot of great talent. And this is something that Brendan touched on in his rant. But there's there's a lot of really good talent in our scene. People who go out and win games and play at a ton of tournaments and they're visible. Right? If, if you saw the name brad schwan or if you saw the name relian on that list you're like oh i know who relian is he's winning these tournaments he's a play tester he's like involved in the scene people know who this guy is yeah. right and so like i think just i've known about, it- i've known who relian is since the days of the skull bros exactly you know like i've i've known that name for years i've never met the guy but like y'all it's a recognizable name he's been exactly. around he's on his time and like it's so ridiculous that this has to be the type of conversation we have now in the post fact over yeah. ETC. And like, I don't really care if America wins ETC, but at the same time, it would just be nice if we had a way to say like, yo, this dude, whoever gets to be the captain gets to be the captain, but you have to pick somebody from each section of the United States. So maybe yeah. you have like a South, you have like your text. Oh no, is it five guys ETC or four? It's, it's supposed to be eight people in the teams. <laughs> eight people per team? Yeah, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I didn't know that. Wow. All right, I don't even know what ETC stands for. I thought it meant et cetera. But... <laughs> it's this guy, it's that guy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. No, so here's, here's my thing is um, the U.S. has always been a joke at the ETC. We, we celebrated the year that I was there. Because we made the exact middle line. We were perfectly mediocre, which was like a great placing for the last five years of the of the tournament. I don't know how it's been in Ninth Age and how well we've done in Ninth Age, but in terms of Warhammer Fantasy, we've never been good. And I want us to do well. Bill, pick good people, Bill. Yeah, I know. Or maybe we should do like a uh, can't captain twice. Pass the torch kind of thing. So every year... 
torch gets passed. Yeah, or like uh, if you captain and you don't improve on the record from the year before, you have to pass the torch. Yeah. If you improve on it, right, like you, you show some growth. Yeah. And then once we win it, that person has to pass it off the next year because they're not going to be able to keep winning it. Unless they do. That should be it. It's just like NBA basketball. You get one chance to prove yourself and then to prove you can improve, and then you're done. How much, how much money do you think it could cost to get Steve Kerr to coach us? Oh, man. I bet he'd do it for free. You think so? Steve Kerr seems like a he seems like just a cool guy. Like, listen, I know you got spinal fluid leaking into your brain, and you're getting migraines, but we need you to think right now, Steve. Yeah, do we want to put Daughters of Cain against Nurgle, or do we want Ideneth against Nurgle? Come on, Steve. Are we trying to conserve points or gain some? What are we doing, Steve? He's like, we can't just keep giving it to Steph Curry. He keeps throwing my models. Like, he's like, I don't know. You guys kidnap me. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. What's a Sigmar? Yeah. Oh my god, these fucking nerds! Anyway, so we got right. off the rails. There we yeah, go. So there's there's our our conversation about the ETC. Joe, there's a new mod come out, and it is about the size of your baby, and <sighs> it probably has caught. It probably costs about as much as your baby, um, and that's the the new actually, horn dragon. Actually, what my insurance cost? It's cost my baby twice. That's how my <laughs> my copay <laughs> my copay for the baby was only two fifty. And it's five eighty for that model. So, but that, but but that's a Chinese recast, right? Like that's not an original baby. That's a Chinese recast of your baby. Oh, uh, you know what? Real quick, I was just reading an article on the internet that a bunch of Chinese recasters got hit with cease and desist recently from GW. Really? Yeah, because they're putting out five hundred dollar models. They don't want other people selling them for two eighty. That makes sense. All right. So what I got to say about uh, what's his name, Scarlack, or what are the they all, all the corn guys have the same kind of name, like Scarlack. Okay. Volgar. Um, Volgaroth and Skalak. So is Volgaroth the scarred and Skalak the the skull host of Camp Corn? My wife just interrupted me because she's excited that I bought her pumpkin pie spice at the store. It's awesome, guys. Husband of the year. Marry a basic white woman, even though she's not white. It's Puerto Rican. (laughs) All right, so I'm gonna make it rain, Uggs. Yeah, pray for me, guys. Anyway, so this motherfucker is 1,200 points. That is a good deal for 580 dollars if you think about it, because 1,200 points of shit from Games Workshop is a lot of money. Let's calculate how much money 1,200 points of witch elves. All right, so. Witch elves are 270 points for 30 of them. Let's just, you know, let's, let's, yeah, let's say you're getting your your 30 pack. 270 points times five gets you just under 1,200. It gets you 12 or like 1,180 or something. So is like that, that. 15, 15 boxes of witch elves? That is 15 boxes of witch elves. All right, that's 700, 800. That's a lot of money. That's not true. A box of witch elves is six dollars. Yeah. Sixty times fifteen is six hundred. Nine hundred. Yeah, nine hundred dollars. That doesn't make sense. That was a bad uh, uh, whatever. Yeah, anal G. Let's let's talk about Namardi. All right, those are fifty dollars a box. And how many points is it for thirty? A buck forty. You said three forty. A buck forty. Oh, for thirty? Yeah, three sixty. Three sixty. So you're getting four 30 packs. No, you're getting a little less. You'll get like 30, like three 30 packs and a 20. 
So, this is the best podcasting ever. Men talking about numbers. That's going to probably end up being something like 11 boxes, which is going to be 550 bucks. Okay, so that makes sense. Let's take Ilarial, for example. She costs 600 points. And I'm pretty sure that box set costs $150. Now, she comes with a Tree Lord or some Kurnoth Hunters, so that's an extra $60 box that you get right there. Does she? But, like, she summons in a unit. Oh. Yeah, so we'll, we'll say... I thought you were saying, like, models-wise. I was like, what? That's a great <laughs> deal. Buy one, get one free. No, so you... Uh, she summons in a Tree Lord or a unit of Kurnoth Hunters. Let's say you pick a Tree Lord, which is the mo- most expensive option there, right? Her box is 100 and fifty dollars. Even with the tree load, which is sixty or seventy dollars, you're looking at two twenty. You get two of her, and we're talking about the additional model that she comes with. You're looking at four hundred and forty bucks instead of the six hundred bucks okay. you paid for the corn dragon. All right, I get it, I get it. But if you wanna, we should. Archaon. No, let's let's talk here. Let's talk Nagash. about. Okay, good. All right, you you could point out all that stuff, right? But when you're thinking about if you were gonna start a corn army. I would not buy this dragon. You would not buy this dragon. I would not buy this dragon either. <laughs> but let's go over why. First off, let's talk about the model. That model is dope. All the way crazy. until you get to the ball, sack th- sl- <laughs> the ball sack throne and fucking sloth and goonies riding on his back. <laughs> hey, you guys. <laughs> like, that shit is the ugliest fucking... What the fuck is that on its back? It's like a giant tumor of skulls that he's <laughs> sitting on, and he's literally asking everyone he meets for a baby Ruth along the way. It is insanity. It is the ugliest shit I have ever seen in my fucking life. I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate it so fucking much. It's so... <laughs> it looks so stupid. That I, if you buy that model, Mike Scaletti, I will think less of you. <laughs> I totally. No, I just don't think that's, that throne looks good. I, I don't give a shit about the rider. I've never really liked the Forge World aesthetic. It is kind of like, almost like Mirce miniatures. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really match. But it's, that, it's the throne it's sitting on. What is that? Like, why didn't they just sculpt a big skull throne on it? Why does it have to be part of the dragon? Or, like, like uh, a normal howdah would work fine. A throne would work fine. A seat would work fine. You could have him surfing like the old school Warhawk riders, and it would look better than that that throne. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's unfortunate that they decided to go with that. Like, no one in their department was like, wow, that looks fucking stupid. Like, what is going on in Forge World? I'm sorry, guys. I, I think the model everywhere else is dope. I love the size. I love the fucking dragon's face. I love all of it. I think it looks cool. I think the fucking, that thing, that tumor on its back, the cyst that that guy is riding on, mm-hmm. the fucking cluster of skull pimples that he is coasting along on top of is fucking hideous. But GW's been doing that recently where they have skulls coming out of things. Like, if you look at Archeon's model, like, on the back of his knee, there's weird skulls, like, protruding from his skin. Like, not... Not like on top of the skin, like mounted to his skin. It's like coming out of his skin. Okay, so this is a problem with CAD sculpting. Is like, because they could take, they can click, oh, I have this skull like rendering. I'm going to just throw a bunch of skulls all over it instead of taking it to, like, it's, it's like one of those things like, oh, I could do this. I could just click flash art all over this thing because I have right. all these skulls already designed and it just slap it all over the place and it's done. And that doesn't mean that you should. Like, I don't. Right. Like, there's a bunch of... Mo- like, the core that comes in the box set. 
what the fuck were you guys doing? Like the model, like Scaletti had to put a ton of time in this, like converting his Korgoroths. Yeah. Because that one in the box set, what is going on with his face? It doesn't have a face. What is that? There's like there's a little skull that's powering it, and he's got I guess like the corn symbol coming out of the back of his neck. It's yeah, dumb. It's dumb, dude. And it's just like it's because of the over use of CAD. It's almost like like we could do this now. Like back in the day, you couldn't sculpt that. No, by hand. No way that would work. No, it I wouldn't. Guess. It wouldn't. And I understand. Like yo, the models look great. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoy a lot of the new models, and I, I love the fact that this game is going in the direction aesthetically it is. But at the same time, it's like just because you can doesn't mean you should. It's that right. like you know that old fucking Jeff Goldblum quote from fucking Jurassic Park. Jurassic but Park. It's it's true. It's like, do we really need to put fifty more? And like honestly, I think it adds a level of team to the to the hobby, where you're like, oh yeah, I really like this model. But then when I'm in the final hours of like doing this or doing that. It's like, oh yeah, but now I've got like twenty five skulls. Like, who get? Like, I don't. And he's and he's wearing seven belts across his torso. Yeah, like it's it's like you know what it is? reminds me of. It reminds me of the way pouches used to be. Everything had thirty five pouches. Every single yeah. blade guard was like Batman with the utility belt. Yeah, but pouches were also super easy to sculpt in the days of like sculpting a model out of no, green. I know, stuff. but I I relate them similarly to. We can do this, but does it make sense? Is it actually good for the design? Yeah, I I agree. I I just I liked what happened when they first switched over to using CAD to do their plastics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like those those the Chaos Warriors when that box came out. I was like a teenager when that box came out. Yeah, and it, I loved everything about it. It was dope. They're like, yeah, now they're kind of monoposed. Yeah, they're like they have like it was a rank, it was rank and flank then. You know, they had to fit together on the bases. It was like before GW still did rank and flank, but stopped giving a shit about that and produced like a you bunch. Mean like with witch elves. <laughs> no, dark elf corsairs were the worst. You could not build dark yeah. elf corsairs to all fit together in a rank and flank game on twenty mil same, bases. Same with uh, bloodletters. Bloodletters no. did not fit. Nope. Nope. Never. Anyway, so let's talk about the model on the table. Let's talk about how good he is. What do you think of his usability, Joe? I think him in a game when he's on the table. And you use him, and you, you, I don't know. I think him going first is very scary. I think yeah. that if you're playing against a fucking idiot who's going to throw their entire army at it and just kill the, let you kill their entire army in one turn, um, he'll do I, it. Yeah, I think he'll, he'll do be, it. he'll do all right in that. Like, but I think that if you're playing a player who's smart and has chaff, they're just going to feed you shit. They're just going to feed you shit. So all you're really going to get out of that 1,200 points is a 30-wound model that has the buffs that it does and mm-hmm. has a shooting attack. Because I'm going to fucking... If I'm playing an art, like um, my Flesh Eater Quartz against this, my Flesh Eater Quartz list, I'm just going to feed you 10 ghouls at a time, dude. Yeah. I'm not going to... I don't want you to... You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's he's really fast and he flies, right? But that Yeah, but he's so, so easy to get zoned out. You could just yeah. zone him out. The base is, is 8... By eleven, basically, which means as long as you have to sheet of loose leaf cha- paper. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like it's rounded, but if you have one model from your chaff wall within seven inches of of the rest of your army that you don't want him getting to, he can't get there. Yep. And maybe with his shooting attack, he can fit in. But you would have to be playing really poorly to let that get through. And I think with the base size, like okay, he's thirty wounds, three plus save, right? Yeah, his size. I can get thirty Namardi on him. Yep, 
And 30 to Marty... We'll chew it, through them. Yeah, it's something like 60 attacks, 61 attacks. Mm-hmm. And then... 40 hit and four, 20 23 wound. wound 23 wound. One. I mean, it won't kill him. I don't think it'll kill him outright, but in like... No, the, you'll do you'll do 12 to 20 wounds to him. Yeah, but in the turn, in the turn, like in your best bet scenario, they kill him. In one round right. of combat, if you're oh, yeah, you're dumping Volturnuses or or, or Kelly and Kings buff on them, boosting yep. their attacks, doing all that shit, like you're gonna fucking kill this thing, and it's 1,200 points, and it's gonna die to a 306 point unit. There's too many things in the game that are 300 points or 400 points that can just yeah. kill him. Yeah, and you, that, get, you get six eels on the charge, they probably can kill him. And a game of a game of Age of Sigmar has like 12 pieces of terrain on the board. It's really hard for him to fit in places you're going to need him. People are going to be able to position their shit so that you can't even get a charge that's going to be worthwhile for you. Yeah. You know, and if... I just, I don't ever see him getting his points back. And in a game of objectives, right, like you said, you can zone him out too well and he can only hold one spot at a time and then everyone else is playing... 2,000 points against your 800 points of what's what's left of your army. Yeah. You could you could honestly ignore him. Doesn't a gash kill him 50% of the time in one shot? Yeah. it's you, uh, The game starts, you flip a coin, and then he just comes off the table. That sounds like fun. No, it's it's exactly what, what fun is. If you look up fun in the dictionary, it's taking off your 1,200-point model before the game starts. Yeah. That's... No, do you know do you know how Hand of Dust works? No, I don't. Okay. They have to cast the spell. He has to be within three inches, and he's doing it... Minus three, but he also gets a plus three, so it, it's even. I think it's kind of a tough spell to cast, like a seven or something. But basically, you put a die in one of your hands, and you hold them out, and your opponent has to pick a hand. And if they pick the hand with the die in it, your model is dead. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, could they couldn't make it like a fucking one to three, you live, and a four, five, six, you die. It's the same odds. No, it's a lot less fun. What if your opponent has dice in both hands? Smart. What if you're playing a guy who's a magician? Or or they put no dice in either hand, and you pick a hand, and they open the other one's like, oh, nothing here. You must have died. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah. But yeah, uh, apparently, um, I think it was Tony Moore, one of the one of the sort of well known Nagash players in the the UK, had an angel and a devil like toe printed out, and he said like, all right, do you want to be saved by the angel or saved by the devil? So you had to pick that, and then he held them both and picked which one you. You like pick which one's gonna save you or kill you, yeah. and you, you know. So like, it's adding an extra layer of, of thinking. We we'll have to think like, do I want the angel or the devil? It's a psychological game, is what it is. It's a psychological ass coin flip. Yeah, I think that's. I don't know, man. Someone's like, oh, yeah, check this out. I'd be like, I'm not picking either, bro. <laughs> Suck a ween. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a three inch spell. There's ways to like make it. I yeah. guess hit it 21 inches, but. So what I am gonna say about this. Uh, Vorgoroth and Skalak. If you look at like his depletion on the wounds allocated, it's pretty rough. Yeah. Like he yeah, depletes he goes from three d six attacks to two d six after what like five wounds. Yeah, but if he's over fifty percent wounds, he's down to d three attacks. So like, mm-hmm. if you hit him first, if you got a shooting army, if you hit him first, he he's not going to be as effective. He's not going to be effective enough to justify twelve hundred points once he's taken more than ten wounds. Yeah, so you have to protect him and then also use him really well. I think he can only. Like, he, like, I think he just heals D three wounds too. Yeah, that's right. I don't know how he he makes his points back. Like you'd have to get him to charge a two or three hundred point unit every turn 
and not take any damage back. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just just looking at his rules. He just does not seem worth it. Not for 1,200. I mean, his War Scroll is justified for 1,200. Mm-hmm. Like, because at 0 to 5 wounds, when he's not losing any not of his damage. shit, he's insane. Yeah. Like, you're yeah, talking about... Yeah, attacks that do 2 his, or 3 damage. His shooting attack is hits on 4s, wounds on 2s, so... And there's 3 of them, right? There's 3 of them, and it's Ren 3, D6 damage, and it's 20-inch range. That's well, that's, that's pretty brutal. Great. And then the dude on his back who never takes anything from from taking wounds, like never reduces. He gets he, twelve attacks with his axe. Yeah, twelve attacks, how, threes how and threes, threes and threes, bro. So what is that? Six hits at rent two uh, damage two. Yeah, basically. Six hits, rent two damage two. That's really good. That yeah, never gets right. reduced. Nope. And then the claws are d six, threes and threes, uh, rend three. Damage, damage three. three. That's fucking nuts. And then he has other attacks that do shit. He gets three D six attacks. Three right? D six, fours and fours, rend one, damage three. That's a lot of damage. That's... Yeah, they should be damage one, but that's just how I feel. No, I don't I don't mind them being really strong because he's paying the points for it. And that one that's the one that degrades really quickly. It goes down to like one D six attacks when he's taken a certain yeah. number of wounds. It's like pretty much everyone who's slicing him is cutting his tail off. No, they're just cutting off they're they're cutting off one nail at a time, and or because that's the claws, right? No, that's the tail. The three D six. Oh, I understand that joke now. Yeah, I hate you. Mm, that was fun. All right, so in conclusion, if you have a really big, mm, I'm going to say bank account and also a set of balls, you should get this guy. But if you want to win games or expect to win games, I don't think it's a good idea. I, I think I, there's so like if you spend six hundred bucks on a model, I sort of think there's an expectation that he's going to be good. Or that he's going to be, he's going to help you win games. I think you're going to have to win games in spite of this guy, not because of this guy. Now, I'm sure he will go ham in games and win you the game. But I think that's going to be because you used him well, not because he was just. It's not like a win button, and I don't want there to be a win button. I just feel like for 1,200 points in a Blades of Corn army, you could spend those points better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You could spend it on, what, 120 Bloodletters? Yeah, and that's going to win you more games than than this guy will. Than this guy will. Absolutely. Yeah. So, on the overall, if you have a lot of money and a lot of time to waste uh, and you like big ugly tumors on the back of your dragons, this is the this model for you. for you. Yeah, this is it. It's for you. <laughs> We're going to get into our questions, feedback and shout out right after this. <laughs> All right.
And we're back. Welcome back, everybody. The segment you all were waiting for, the part where we say your name if you tweeted at us. So here goes. Kevin, John, Ben, Arbach, Monkey, and Ty. Those are the ones who tweeted at us. Thanks for listening. This has been Rage of Sigmar. <laughs> oh, that's great. If you want to get in touch with us, you can a number of ways. You can tweet at us at at of Sigmar on Twitter, or you can tweet at me personally at Big Jables or Joe at a hymn of serpents. You can also email us. Our email address is Rage Sigmar Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, or you can just shout our name off your rooftop really loudly and ask questions and hope we're listening at the time. Yeah, because we're like God. You can just talk to us. We don't know. exist. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, cool. So let's talk about what people really talk to us about. So uh, Sounds good. Where do you want to get so, started? Let's do it. First question comes from Ty. He's on Twitter at FatKidSports or FatKidPorts. I can't read. He said he wants a full breakdown of the eye contact priority rule any instances where people wouldn't participate and just an explanation of it. So this is something that I do in my games when I want it to be more fun. What I'll do is I'll say to my opponent as we're shaking our hands and like about to roll priority, I'll say whoever looks at the dice first loses priority. I don't care what the dice say. Whoever looks at the dice first loses. And if they agree, we'll, we'll maintain eye contact, we'll roll the dice. And then we never break eye contact. We'll like find someone next who's like, hey, Kevin, table next to me. Hey, who won the priority roll? <laughs> And usually there's a ton of dice on the table. Going, I don't fucking know which dice you're talking about. I was like, I, I rolled the blue one, and he rolled the the, the clear one. Who won? And like, ah, uh, you won. So it's a lot of fun. It really makes for exciting moments because the priority roll to me is one of the best moments in the game as it is. And this just ups the ante some more and sort of take away, takes you away from the game a little bit and makes you interact with your opponent. Um, I think I have had people say they don't want to do it. But I can't remember what their reasoning was, and I sort of just shrugged it off, I think. But yeah. it's, it's a pretty funny rule. Because then so, what, what happens is once, once someone tells us who won, we both look at the dice, and then I tell them they lost the priority roll because I looked first. <laughs> uh, that's annoying. I would hate to play you. Yeah, that sounds about right. What's next on the list of... Uh... Next on the list comes from Jacob Burleson. It's a four-part question. Question one, how do you stay motivated painting? Question two, how do you stay motivated? Question three, how do you? And question four, how? All right. I'll take this one. Uh, first, I stay motivated by listening to like a good audiobook. I really like audiobooks when I'm painting. This is like my number one thing. I find something good. Uh, I haven't listened to anything in a while because I've, you know, since having a baby, it's kind of hard for me to sit down and like give all of my attention to painting. So now I yep. kind of just paint in silence and wait to hear some crying. Right. Um, but, uh, before I, like, I think the most prolific one I did was the Joe Abercrombie, uh, first law trilogies. Mm -hmm. Like that was just, I like, if I listen to that shit now, that audiobook now, I would just have like flashbacks of painting my dark elves for the third time. <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah. Be like, oh yeah, I remember that sitting in my old apartment. This was the green coat. Yeah, no, it was the red, but, um, but yeah, I would say audiobooks. And then how do I stay motivated to like live? That's not easy. But it's usually like I do it by living in Depression paycheck to paycheck and hoping that one day I might win the lottery by getting hit by someone driving a Mercedes Benz. 
Yeah, you get your money the old-fashioned way. <laughs> yeah, suing them. Get run uh, over by a Lexus. How do I? I don't know, dude. I'm not ready for an ex- existential <laughs> fucking breakdown. My mind's melted already, so I don't know how I do I. But if I did know how I did, I would let you know how I do. There you go. <laughs> and question four. Uh, how? I don't fucking know, dude. You're fucking with me now. I'm pretty upset. <laughs> so, Jacob, listen, go see a therapist, dude, because if you have this kind of questions, you need help. You need to talk to somebody. Yeah. And and a uh, real quick shout out. There's, you can always talk to somebody. There's Twitter out there. People want to talk to you about your life and about your feelings. So uh, you're not alone, Jacob. Yeah. Listen, it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. All right. We should probably... At the end of this show, we're going to give you info to donate to a GoFundMe to get Jacob Burleson some therapy. And Um, we're going to then spend that money on the Rage of Sigmar (laughs) 2020 World Tour. Yeah. All right. The next question. Let's go on. Next question comes from at Malin Mantra. Uh, I think he's from Poland. Um, I think he's a commissioned painter. uh, And he has some cool stuff out there. You should follow him on Twitter. But he asks for our commentary on the Blood and Glory seminar preview. So, Joe, did you look at any of this, or do you want to just rattle no, through? Yeah, I did. I looked at the stuff that kind of pertains to us. I saw, like, the new gangers for Necromunda. Those guys look yeah, kind of... Yeah, they, they look, look cool. super cool. The, um, Very goth. I like it. I want to just listen to The Cure and paint them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's House Delacque. Delacque? Delac? Del, Delacque. Delacque. Boys, too. Yeah, they, they look yeah. really cool. They also yeah. they remind me of uh, that episode of Buffy, where they've got the, the silent guys who just sort of float through. I never watched that show. Man, All right. well, it's cool. Um, they like I saw, of that. I, I saw like the Conan the Barbarian uh, Shadespire dudes. Yeah, the Dark Oath. Yeah, they're like the new the new Marauders. They're pretty cool. Yeah. I, they just got like a real like kind of like a mad like if you gave them guns, it would look like Mad Max. Oh, definitely. you know, like they're cool. But they have they have spears and swords, and there's the one archer. Yeah, it's very Conan the Barbarian. I agree, and we've got a dog. I liked it every. Every other war band that comes out lately has had a dog in it. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm waiting for them to have a cat, but that's fine. Like a little tabby that just dies. There, there, there was actually a cat in one of the new Eldari things, like a year ago, dude. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, came with y- whatever. It was like Yanari. It's like one of yep. those words that they make up that has no uh, vowels. That I, I'm like, I can never <laughs> pronounce this. I'm not Greek. For salad. Um, yeah, then- so I, I think they look really cool. I'm hoping that this is a bit of a a precursor to what we're going to see as an army because having having a unit that's like throwing or chucking spears having a unit of great sword looking barbarian dudes and having a unit that's it's like the archers that all looks really cool and that would give generic chaos a much better look than like generic chaos does now i don't know who it was who tweeted it i feel like it was like oscar lars or somebody like Mm -hmm. but he was like saying how come the Varengar don't have like a st- on foot like Stormcast equivalent model. Oh yeah, I mean that would was be that, super cool. Was that him who tweeted that? I can't remember, but I, I really like the idea of Everchosen getting some generic stuff or some some non super expensive to have options. Yeah, I think that would be really sweet if they just had like dudes on foot that were like yeah. the equivalent to like Chaos Evocators or, or Sequiturs or something. But um, yep. um did you take and, a look at anything from that Slanesh and Corn box set, the Rapture? Yes, I do like that. I don't know. I just feel like it's only two fucking models that I saw for, so far. And if that's the case, if that box set drops and it's just two new models, because like they already rule out, there's no new, there's no new um, uh, demonets. Uh, keep demon. Uh, yeah, no. Demonets are going to be the old ones. Um, yep. Seekers of Slanesh are going to be the old ones. Yep. And then you have the 
Cornon uh, Juggernaut dudes, the Blood Crushers. Yep. Those are the same as before. Same. And then the Blood Letters are the same. So now, yep. what else are we gaining? Are we just gaining a couple of Flesh Hounds and f- fucking three Fiends of Slash? Is that what we're getting at it? Like, that's not a really exciting release. I mean... I, I think we can expect a greater demon. I think I expect there to be a new Keeper of Secrets. I mean, it doesn't even have a plastic set, right? No, it doesn't. That's the last one that needs to get done. So it's just a Keeper of Secrets... And then what else could Slanesh get? Like, I mean, the Chariot is a pretty bugged-out-looking kit. That can stay the same. Yeah, I think they're... I mean, they could introduce a new Herald or, like, a new a new version of the Mask because they did introduce a new version of the Changeling, a plastic version of the Changeling. So maybe they'll give us a new version of the Mask of Slanesh, the one that does, like, the different dances. Yeah. You sound really bummed, but, like, Nurgle got just... three new Heralds when their when book came out. And also got three new great unclean one models pretty much one new yeah, model they got, a, they got a great new great they got a name character kit. that's what They've, everyone got a name character and three new greater demon styles or two yep. new or so at least i think two. we can expect i think we can expect a a new keeper of secrets and maybe a new foot character like a new generic little guy well zinch got a bunch of shit zinch got a ton of shit it got zangors get any it yeah, got zangors got it got skyfires it got the shaman got, on the disc got summoner yeah it got a bunch of shit and yep, corn, so I think we can expect the same for what did, what did corn get? Well, corn got like the corn mortal... got the whole starter box. Yeah, that's pretty sick. And uh, the wrath of corn bloodthirster came right as a bed was ending. Okay. All right. Well, you know, it is what it is. We'll see how it goes. Um, I think it's really, I'm excited. I'm gonna try really hard not to buy it, but I really do want to buy it already. Even like the thing is, I'm not gonna need most of it, but I do want. I'm going to buy at least a box or two of those Flesh Hounds once they come out by themselves. Yeah, they're pretty sweet. They look good. Yeah, they also they look a lot more lizardy than I like them to be, but that seems to be the direction they're going. Yeah. And some of them sort of look like they slipped on a banana peel. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's just a, a modeling opportunity to make them like doing a wall run and shouting, I'm Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty sick. And what else came out? Oh, the Moon Clan Grots got their teaser, and that's what I'm most excited about. So yeah, just the 30 second teaser of the moon, and there's yeah. nothing else. I don't even yeah. think it's gonna be Moon Clan. It's gonna it's gonna be like moon worshiping. I don't know ogres. I hate you. It, <laughs> but no, I would I would be super stoked if they, we got like a, a option for those like mushroom people from the Trogoth yeah. night yeah. night haunt or a night vault set. That those are pretty sweet. And, and there were a lot of like the like a new look for fanatics right they're like sitting on the wrecking balls and they're swinging on the wrecking balls and they're coming in like a wrecking ball i knew that was coming drinking i I think they look cool i'm excited to see i know a lot of people are super hyped on moon clan they've never been my my favorite aesthetic but i think as they get further into the like weird triangular witch hats and mushroom sort of looking things it's gonna be cool i hope there's new plastic squigs that's what i'm hoping for yeah yeah that'd be cool i think i I think a lot of the, the new stuff looks dope um that new like standalone game for 40k uh the blackstone fortress yeah some of those sculpts look really fucking sweet they look really cool and they've got new um chaos space marines which is cool yeah i I also just like that it's it's like a 40k style or like a 40k world rpg yeah i like the new those new chaos space marine models a lot oh yeah i definitely could consider converting one up because all, all those new models look really cool. I don't yeah. think I would buy the set, but I might buy individual pieces. I, I just think that that, like, Chaos Space Marines of all the things in the 40K universe, models-wise, are, like, in mm-hmm. desperate need of a overhaul. Oh, definitely. And they're, that's, they're like, the most super, iconic, too. They're a super dated kit, and it's mm-hmm. like... I mean, I bought those models when I was 16, and yep. I'm 30. So, 
but I would buy those. I would buy that kit now. Like the the new ones, if there was a kit of five or ten of them, I would oh, buy yeah. those and, and convert them with my Stormcast. That would fit so well. Oh yeah, for your Chaos Stormcast. And I I got to imagine anyone playing Slaves to Darkness, anyone playing any sort of Chaos army who wants to to like you know just mix it up a little bit, have some conversion material, could definitely use those models. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. I agree. There's there's nothing not to like there, and there's that character in the that it's that's in the video with the cool looking hammer. He's like a evil looking version of the the demon hunter with the the hammer. He looks pretty dope. I like the dude who's got like the crotch plate thing going on. He kind of looks like oh the, yeah the severe the nod to yeah severe nod to uh, to um, Clockwork Orange. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he looks really cool. I'm I'm excited. They've got the flamer girl. They've got a lot going on. Yeah, it's, it looks to be a good kit. If you're if you're into 40k. I could see people buying it just to play in the world, but also to have those characters. And if you're not into 40K, I could still see people buying it because it's a standalone game and the models are dope. Yeah. I mean, I bought Space Hulk, so. Yeah. But, and um, this might have more characters and more playability throughout the world, right? Because if they do it anything like they did Warhammer Quest, you're going to be able to bring in your other models, your other characters, and they'll have usability in the story. Yeah. So you'll be able to play them just like you did in Silver Tower. That'd be sweet. That's super dope. All right, so that was part one of Malin's question. He also said how much Slanesh love is shown on Fiend boobs and how fleshy are the new flesh hounds. I think there's going to be probably at least eight times as much boob as you had before in the Fiends. Um, well, not eight times because that's Korn's number. Seven times as much boob as there was before. And the flesh hounds don't look very fleshy. They actually seem to have like really big raised, um, like their, their, the fur on their spine looks like it's really raised up which is what you see when dogs get really defensive. So I think that that's actually not a very apt analogy, Malin. I wouldn't say they're fleshy. I'd say they're furry because they're all good boys, good doggos. Next question comes from Scott from Scotland. And he asks, specifically Joe Pagano, have you ever gotten your wins at a tournament? Also, come to Scotland. Have I ever had zero wins at a tournament? Not playing a Games Workshop game. But I have had zero wins at a um, a bolt action tournament, and yeah. uh, it didn't really. <sighs> I don't want to bash this game too much. I think what bothered me more <laughs> about that tournament wasn't losing all of my games, but was more that I lost to like two racist assholes. And, say more, uh, please say more. No, I don't want to go too in on this. But one guy was no, like, "How do you live in New York with all them damn Muslims?" And I was like, "Dude, I really don't think this is a conversation we should be fucking having." <laughs> like, Where was this tournament? In Nashville, Tennessee. Oh no, that was at, that was at Nashcon. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I, <laughs> After that tournament, I was like, "Fuck this game! I love this game, but fuck this game." Oh, so, um, if you want to hear Joe talk more about bold action, you can listen to Cast Dice. That's C A S T D I C E. He also asked, "Come to Scotland, Joe. What are your thoughts on that?" Um, they, so I actually talked to him a little bit more about this since he sent that. Uh, just via Twitter, but he they're having a there's a Scottish tournament in January every year, yes. and I he like said something made made a post about it on uh, Twitter, and was talking to one of his boys, and all I commented was 2020, and he was just like <laughs> went, he was like yes you know so um we'll talk more about that later. I know we keep like saying 2020 and all this shit, and in our last episode at the very end we alluded to um the Age of Sigmar World Tour, the Rage Age of, of Sigmar, Sigmar World Tour. Tour. Um, and at the end of this episode, we're going to go into a little more detail on what we're thinking about that. So if you're interested in doing a bunch of traveling and playing a bunch of Warhammer, um, we might be the guys for you to do it with. If you are, or, or if you, you can just do what we're going to do and get drunk and 
seven different towns. Yep. And also, if you hate us and you want to go on this tour, um, just, I don't know, please don't, because it's going to be very <laughs> awkward the whole way. <laughs> you're Talking not going to you, Ron Petroleum. You, you're not you're, invited. You're really going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard time if you're going to go to a bunch of countries with us. But anyway. Um, he did but, ask one other. Oh, good. Oh, and I just, before I go too far into that, like that's I'm just joking. Um, everyone's invited. If you hate us and we hate you, you're still allowed to go. And yeah, you're allowed... because we're going to be giving out prizes, and if, the best thing you could do to us would be to take away our prizes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's get back to questions. Yep, so he also asked, he said, uh, Jacob, what list did you play at Nova and at Facehammer? Because I didn't actually talk much about my list. I'm actually not going to go too much in depth because i got to maintain the secret of my success, a.k.a. my two and three finishes at all three tournaments. Uh, Consistent. But I was running... Consistent. That's all yeah, that matters. Exactly. Like You know what you're getting with me. Going to get two wins on day one and then no win day two. That's what you're going to get with this list. If you want to try this list, by the way, I'll, I actually will give you the details so you can play it and also go two and three at your next tournament. <laughs> so I was running Stormcast. I had a Lord Arcanum on the Griff Charger because he can heal things. In one version of the list, I had the... The Lord Celestine on Drakoth, who bounces wounds back, and I also gave him the Shard Fist Pelt. So he was bouncing wounds back on successful saves of six or more. And then also, he rerolls ones on his save. So if I hit a one and then had a success, he bounces mortal wounds back also. So he's good to put into a unit of uh, like Plague Monks that don't have Rend. He's good against Witch Elves if they don't have the, the Mind Razor off. He's great at just holding up and targeting units with a lot of attacks and not that much rend, or not any rend. Uh, but he dies pretty quick, so I actually ended up taking him out of the list for Facehammer and for the tournament in Alabama, the Chaos GT. Um, I had a unit of two Fulminators, because they're really good on the charge, and they're good. I had a unit of three Evocators on the Cats, because they're also good on the charge. I had a unit of five Foot Evocators with the big staffs that uh, have no rend but damage two. I liked them a lot against Night Haunt because Nighthawn ignores Rend, so I figure high damage, no Rend, gives me a good set of attacks against Nighthawn. But also, so everyone likes to run the Vamp Lord on Zombie Dragon with the Ethereal Amulet. It's a great choice. He's got a 3-up armor. You give him Mystic Shield, he rerolls ones, and he can't be Rended. So this is my answer to that, right? Then something with high damage and low Rend, you've got you've to gotta make all your saves. Otherwise, you're taking more damage from this. Um, and then I also had two units of five sequiturs, a unit of five judicators, and basically all the normal characters, like a heralder, a castellant, a relictor, and a knight and cantor. So I had, like, the auto unbind. So I used that in, in different ways to, like, give different units plus one to their save to teleport some units around. Um, I felt like it was, I was getting better with the list, even though I won the same number of games the first tournament and the last tournament. The, my my losses were a lot closer in the last tournament than they were in the first tournament. In the first tournament, it was like, if I lost, it was because like I didn't have a chance. I got pointed, basically. In like the old 20-0 system, I would have gotten one or two objective points and nothing else. But in the last tournament, I played some really good players. I played David Griffin. I played some really talented folks, and I, I lost these games by a coin flip or like a couple bad rolls went against me, and I made a couple mistakes, and I lost by like an objective point. So there's your answer, Scott. I uh, hope that was enough detail for you. I can send you the actual lists if you're interested. All right, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll meet you soon and be having some haggis. Yeah, I'm really excited about vomiting. 
Uh, all right, so <laughs> next up, we've got uh, our dad, Mike Hengel. He writes, I'm flying out to Puerto Vallarta for the week on Sunday. What should I do when I get there? Cocaine. Was... So, really funny that you mentioned that. <laughs> I was just in Puerto Vallarta, which is part of why he sent that, that question in. And I think my resort was probably like five-minute walk from his resort where he's staying. I was staying with my in-laws. But we're at the pool, and this giant party comes in like 19 people and they've got it's someone's 30th birthday party and they're getting super drunk at the pool we're getting super drunk at the pool it's all well and good and then one of the guys comes up to me and i'm standing with my wife and some other friends of ours and he goes can you believe the price of blow here and we're like oh i'm sorry what he goes yeah i asked it's 260 bucks for a gram He's like for a gram <laughs> well so i turn him i don't say this but like i've so Fun fact for the listeners, I've never bought cocaine. I've never tried <laughs> cocaine. I'm not sure I want to, but that's aside from the point. I, like, I don't know, man. Like, maybe it was in pesos. He's like, no, I asked him, it's definitely dollars, 260 for a gram of cocaine. And I was like, I mean, yeah, that sounds like a lot. He's like, normally it's $100 tops. 60 to 80 is like a reasonable price. I pay $74 at home. This is a market value. And I told him that and I said, look, that is unreasonable. That is not how much it should cost. And this Mexican guy comes to me and says, I, "Like you're in our country, you gotta pay our prices." And the guy's like, "I don't have to do it." He was really upset. So Hengel, long story short, <laughs> you should probably just bring your own. Yeah, because <laughs> it'll cost you less. Just keister it; you'll be all right. Just, yeah, just just carry drugs across international borders. All right. So I'm pretty sure what we just did, given that advice, is technically illegal. Ah, <laughs> eh. oh, whatever. Fuck it, Yolo. Eh, I've done worse things fine. in my life. Yep. Um. Next question he asked is, "What are the podcasters' favorite cocktails?" Joe, what's your favorite cocktail? I'm I'm a very very um, I like old fashions, dude. I think I think they're good. It's a good drink. It's just you know whiskey. It's a tiny bit of sugar, a crushed orange, a, a real cherry, <laughs> a real cherry, or like a real maraschino real cherry. cherry. Yep. Not like the cheap hey. bullshit that you get in American supermarkets that are like bleached and then made bright pink i mean like the real ones yeah and then yeah. you know a little bit of bitters dude and it's you know ice it's good i like it i like it's very simple it's nothing crazy no it's good that's a good one i think sometimes a good thing to add into that is a lot of self-loathing and just like a pinch of regret yeah it's just like remembering what your dad really feels about you right yep <laughs> all right i'm not even gonna touch that one he and i don't talk anymore um my favorite cocktail, if I'm in Mexico, is going to be a margarita. It's classic. It does the job. It's lemony. Yeah, and you can drink a shit ton of them. See, I don't like tequila at all. I don't know what it is uh, about. Oh, man. Yeah. So he also asks, why are Daughters of Cain witch elf armies boring? Because you have to paint 90 witch elves? Yeah. To be competitive, you have to run at least 60, 60 bodies, either snakes or the sisters or the witches. And it's just a mass of bodies that do a billion attacks. It's sort of like what the Cunning Ruck used to do, right? It just throws so many attacks at you, it, the damage is going to get through. Yeah. And then they also have ways to also have Rend and do double damage, which is crazy. Yeah, so maybe it's it's not boring. It's just right now... Um, it's I feel like it, even playing it, it will probably get boring because it's like, all right, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. Oh, yeah, if you were if you were running that list... Yeah, it also seems like all right. So I'm not trying to knock anyone who plays Daughters of Cain. I've never played against them, 
I um I almost actually I had a big dark elf army in eighth edition and I sold it to a friend and he offered to sell it back to me to what he gave me for it, which would have given me a big chunk of a Daughters of Cain army to start with, because I had a yep. lot of witch elves and I had a cauldron of blood and I had all that shit. At the same time, it does seem like a huge time investment to kinda of play the same game over and over again. Right? Yeah, like, so I know that all I know that... that you can build you can build that army in a lot of different ways because that book is so internally balanced. Everything is good. So you can you can build lists that have all sorts of teleporting shenanigans. I know Scaletti's building a list right now that has like it can teleport something like three units per turn in in like given scenarios and situations, which is really cool. Uh, but I also I think that if you're playing with a lot of witch elves or a lot of bodies, it's probably going to be a bit of a tedious game because you're just going to have to explain how many dice you're counting over and over again, and then roll and re-roll and roll and re-roll. It sort of feels the way the game used to when you played a lot of Witch Elves, right? You just roll a billion dice, and you yeah. re-roll everything. I'm going to tell an 8th edition story real quick. I had uh, 35 Witch Elves and a Cauldron of Blood in one unit in uh, in 8th edition, and I was playing a tournament in Portland, and I had that gig- giant bus, and this dude, uh, it was an end times tournament, so this dude dumped like a Mortark, a huge unit of uh, of skeletons, all sorts of shit. He put like his whole army into this one unit, and he had him in the back, he hit him in the rear, he had him in the front, and they just melted and, everything. And, they played, and then they played Warhammer. And they, yeah, they melted everything. His whole entire army died trying to kill that one unit because I had always strikes first. I rerolled yep. all my attacks. Yep. I had all sorts of shit. And then also, like, I didn't kill the Mortar because he had like really good save and shit. But I was like, yeah, but you lose to Crumble. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, because I, I did something like fucking 48 wounds. I was like, yeah, you lost by 46. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was like, ah, oh, fuck. So they kind of did the same thing back then, too. They were known to be like a giant, crazy amount of attacks plus. A ridiculous blender. I think they're cool. Like, I like going to the table, and I, I haven't played against them either. I think I would enjoy it. I also think that most armies don't have a really good answer to them right now. Because the best army, the best answer to hordes right now seems to be hordes. And they they do it better than anybody else does. Yeah, and the best answer to armor is like a little bit of rend or a massive attacks, and they have that in spades also. Yeah, I just feel like that was this thing everyone bitched about for Warhammer Fantasy. 8th edition was the horde play, and we're still mm-hmm. doing it. It's still the same thing. Yeah. But you know, it's people who don't do it, but it's it's harder to win. Like you see most most top table armies have a horde or two or a really good answer to hordes. Or a massive amount of MSU, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, so we're on to our last question from Craig Moore. He says, come to Bobo. That's it? That's all he said? Yeah, that was the question. Um, Okay, we'll see you there. 2020. Good talk. Sounds good. All right. All right, so let's talk about what events we've got coming up this year because we're we're at the point. Should we talk about our lists for um, the team tournament we're going to? I don't think I have a list set yet. Okay, then we'll do that next episode. That's fine. (laughs) Sounds good. Uh, so let's talk about what events we've got coming up for the 2019 season because I don't know about you, Joe, but I have to submit a written list, a formalized written list of tournaments that I'm going to at the beginning of the calendar year. And as we are just <laughs> really, getting into, <laughs> really, I've, I've got my my finalized draft in place. Do you need wanna... it? Nor- do you need it notarized? <laughs> no, like my my wife, like I sign and date it, and she she trusts me. <laughs> Her mistake. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Joe, what events do you look like look? Are you looking at going to for 2019? I am only registering for two events in 2019. Uh huh. Um, mainly because I really. Tried to, all right, so let, let's do this. I just had a kit. 
my daughter. We know, dude. Yeah, yeah I know. But I need, <laughs> cool to brag. Keep, I need to keep reiterating that I had sex once. Um, <laughs> yes. Read it and weep, motherfuckers. Um, best 35 seconds of my life. Living the dream. Yeah, living the fucking dream. Anyway, so with the new baby, it's hard to travel. We're going, so we're going to LVO. I'm playing in two tournaments at LVO. Me and Jacob are playing in the team tournament together, and I'm playing on the singles tournament. Yep. Um, luckily, since it will be my first big tournament, Age of Sigmar, I don't have to worry about doing so well that I have to play in like the finals round during the tween, for the singles tournament the during Sunday. the team. Yeah, during the team tournament. Um, that I am registered for. That I am paid for. My flight is booked. Hotel is booked. Me and Jacob are staying together. We are going to party a lot. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to get... Um, what what hotel are we staying at so we can invite all of our listeners to join us? We're staying at Bally's. Same place as the event. So, yep. So sign up and come hang out with us at Bally's. Yeah, we are going to be landing the day before everything gets started at 9 a.m. We're starting on Thursday. Yeah, Thursday we land at like 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. And by lunchtime we plan, plan to be completely inebriated and just completely fucked up and not stop drinking until... We get on our plane to go back to normal life on Monday morning. On Monday morning. Yeah. We're going to record the best show. Yeah, I, I would like to. Days. I think it'd be great to record like just like 20 minutes of us completely shithoused. Like, <laughs> oh, well, we're here back. <laughs> About to go to dinner, man. <laughs> like, um, So that's it for uh, early year. And then I am plan on going to Triumph GT in New Jersey, which is in June. Yeah. Um, you're You got the okay for that, too. You're going, right? I have a submitted list that I get I get to submit on the first of the year. Okay, um, and then like I I might go to Nova because that's pretty close. That's a driving one. Anyone that's a yeah. driving one is pretty good for me. Um, I would definitely have gone to uh, there's the boys. One, yeah, the, the boys is just upstate New York. It's like four hours from me, uh, which is next weekend. But I just I haven't have a tree on Tuesday, so I'm not gonna be able to make that. So yeah, yeah. So for me, my my draft version, my finalized draft version of the list that I'm submitting to my wife is Nova in January. Nova's uh, not in uh, January. I'm sorry, uh, LVO in January. It's sorry. in February. LVO in February. on Tuesday. <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so LVO in February, going to Adepticon in March. I'm going to Brew City Brawl in May, and I'm going to uh, Triumph in June, then August is uh, Nashcon, and September, unless he changes the dates, should be uh, Alabama Chaos GT. And, and that's, about- the six, that's the six that I'm going to. You're not going to do Nova? Probably not. Uh, that sucks. Yeah. So glad you committed verbally to going now, and now that it's on the internet, everyone knows, and it's happening. Yeah. And you, but- have to go. You, and, you and Frank, Dr. Cheese, are going to hang out at Nova. Well, Luke will probably go to that, too. Oh, that's pretty cool. And uh, he's coming to he's coming to Nashcon again. I know his parents his parents have done there, right? I don't know. He said he's got family down there, but um, I want to go to Nashcon, but it's on my wedding anniversary this year. So, so you thanks, can ask for that as a gift. Thanks to, a lot, Dave. Thanks a lot. At, that's at Nash of Sigmar on Twitter. If you yeah. want to tweet at him and berate him about the dates, yeah. he was in total yeah. control of when this convention happens. Yeah, I was going to say, thanks, thanks a lot, Dave Hippogriff. <laughs> Fucking David, Dave, David Dave Minotaur. Over here. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Friends forever, dude. Fucking Dave Satyr. Um, right. oh, but I do want to mention about the tournaments that are coming up is that at Triumph GT, I have a challenge out against Anthony Polcastro. So if you want to read a ridiculous 
Twitter exchange that I'm pretty sure ruined Martin Orlando's day when he got tagged <laughs> in it. Um, you can check it out. It's out there. It's just me and um, Anthony Polcastro telling each other that we're going to fuck each hey, other in the you, ass. Do you want to read on the air? <laughs> should we? I don't know. That's too I much. I think you should read on the air. Oh, my God. I don't know if I can find it. Uh, I will, I'll, I'll vamp for you for a minute while you look that up. Okay. So I actually also have a challenge out. I've been challenged by Ty, who is, uh, I guess, um, he's Fat Kid Ports or Fat Kid Sports. I'm not sure which one it was uh, on Twitter. He's challenged me for Brew City because he and someone else challenged me pretty much at the exact same time for NashCon, and I had to say no to one of them. I couldn't play them both. Actually, fuck, I should have played them both and like done a Bobby Fisher. But I ended up uh, playing against Bryce, which is a lot of fun. But now I'm facing Ty. So Ty has challenged me on Twitter. He said, the winter months are coming. Hashtag the North remembers. A gauntlet falls to the ground and a challenge is issued. Hashtag Brew City Brawl 19. Two sportsmen enter, both drink, and only one will leave. Then we'll play Warhammer. At Big Jables, it's time. So I've got a lot to say about this. First of all, the lack of all caps in this challenge is frankly an insult to me, to our community, <laughs> and to the expectations we have of each other in these challenges. A challenge isn't something that you write in like two or three minutes. You should be sculpting a narrative. You should be painting a word picture that takes minimum 17 tweets to read and get through. This should be, I'm going to say it, like a Homeric novel. It should have chapters. It should have indexes. I want this motherfucker to be like, thicker and tougher to get through, and yeah, I said thicker and tougher to get through, than uh, Infinite Jest book. Like, no, none of us, we all started that book. None of us have finished that book. And Ty, you insult me by writing me such a short challenge. Now, being the magnanimous person that I am, I will accept your challenge and teach you what a real challenge is. So once this <laughs> airs, you're going to get the longest fucking Twitter tirade you've ever seen. If there's a single letter that is in... Uh, that is not in all caps, that is not in capital letters, I will, I'll surrender the game right there. But every single letter in this challenge will be in capital letters. You better believe I'm yelling at my phone while I'm tweeting this. <laughs> this I actually excellent. have just a voice recognition function on my phone where I shout at it and it knows based on my volume <laughs> <laughs> if it should be capital letters or not. That's awesome. So Ty, get your asshole ready because I'm coming for that booty. <laughs> Swiggity swoo, I'm coming for that booty. <laughs> Oh my god, that's great. That's excellent. So uh to go back, I what started the beef between me and Anthony about this tournament was uh I posted a picture on Twitter of me painting the Marty and it said early morning hobby and I keep all my brushes in like a little trophy I got from a small local bolt action tournament where I won best painted army. So he's like, Everybody look at this loser had a bad a bad uh, best painted trophy made to make himself feel good. And that kinda irked me, so I just asked him, Does his asshole ever get jealous of his mouth all shit he talks? <laughs> He said, said never, but I couldn't let it go. So I just said, that's it, bro. You're going to Triumph GT? Because I'm throwing the gauntlet here. Next time I see you, it's going down, motherfucker. I've played this game twice, and I'm confident I could smoke you. And I tagged Jacob and said, better let your man know what's good with it. I ain't no middle of the mall. Age of Sigmar, dick in the booty ass bitch, motherfucker. I'm coming for you, Anthony J. Castro. The J is for Joseph because when I'm done with you, you're gonna have my name as a middle name because I'm gonna be your new daddy. I'd call that I, I'd call you Antigano, but that would lead to confusion as that is my uncle's name and my cousin's name, and I feel like that two Anthony's is enough for one family. <laughs> yeah, that was it. And then you know he uh, said, "What do you say back?" Uh, yeah, I don't know. He acted like a little bitch, and then I, I eventually he said yes. So that's it. So you got the much vaunted yes. 
Yeah, you I got convinced the, uh, him to come to the tournament. Yeah, I can't wait to drop. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty great. I really, I think, I think challenges and like grudges improve the game so much. Like, it's I, so much more fun when you have a little bit of build up, a little bit of shit talking with somebody you're already friends with, but you maybe haven't played in a while. Yeah, I think. I think that every every tournament should encourage players to judge each, like to to grudge each other, and yeah. then or what you should do is ever like if we ever ran an event which we're not going to anytime soon, we live too far from each other. It's just not it's not like a logistics thing that we I could have a swing. Kid. Yeah, no, um, but it'd be really hard for us to run an event. But I think it'd be awesome to do every player gets to know who their first round opponent is up front, and then whoever yeah. writes the best trash talk line about their opponent before gets to go first no it just gets like a a, a prize like best like remember the infernals who did best haiku which I, yeah. I, I don't know if you know anyone who won it but i fucking won it best haiku no i won it i won it i won it the year before i won it the year that i won the tournament no you didn't i won it the year you won the tournament i don't think that's true they did it at the dinner yeah yeah i won best haiku i'm not sure i buy that i'm 100 percent sure i won best haiku anyway alex harrison if you're listening tell jacob berry who won best haiku joe pagano thank you Alex Harrison, tell Joe who won the tournament that week. That year. That was you. Yeah, you won the tournament after playing Brad Feliz. You have like a reputation <laughs> for playing games against people that are just not fun to play against. Only it's, in round five. Only, it happens every time. Even uh, in a six-person tournament, my fifth game is the bad one. I got a question. Brad Feliz wasn't your sixth game, though. Wasn't it like your third game that year? Here's my fifth game at uh, that one. Here's the last game. He like Didn't he quit mid-game or something? Uh, he had to leave early. Yeah, so like he didn't stick around to help clean up. He like was cleaning up his army as we were playing. Wow, what a jerk! Yeah, he was a turd. Anyway, um, what were we gonna say? I forgot. Challenges. Challenges. Encouraging challenges. Just keep doing it. Everyone talk shit to each other, and then maybe everyone will stop being upset when people talk shit to each other. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, if uh, let's start a new segment. We're gonna actually introduce a new segment on the show. If you, we, we want to not just share negative stories about bad games we've played, but also really great games. So if you want to tweet at us and tell us about the best grudge match you ever played or the best challenge you ever played, we'll read the story on the air and talk about how great your opponent was and how much you suck. Yeah, or you can tell us about your best game ever of Warhammer because um, I'll say my best game I ever played was at a tournament in Sacramento. And me and my opponent, we set all our armies down and then we said, do you think we could dance the entire game? And uh, me and this guy, his name was Jacob Berry. We tried to dance <laughs> for our entire game of we, Warhammer. We didn't even make it through the deployment. <laughs> I know, we were like, fucking... It was, well, I think it I also, It was tough. We were really hungover. <laughs> and our dancing also just became us, like, doing running arms and also maybe moving our hips a little bit because it was, like, the easiest non... <laughs> like, not actually tiring movement we could do as a dance. Yeah. That you know, I actually, I actually replicated that in my first game at Adepticon two years ago with uh, Eric Stonemonk. He's uh, one of the guys from the Mortally Wounded. Nope, the Mortal Realms podcast. They they cover like all the narrative and all the books. And he and I danced for at least the first turn of our game. That's insane. we got we got really drunk. We finished like we finished a bottle of whiskey. I think in the first game, he and I and like anyone who came by helped us. We finished a bottle of whiskey in the first game. That's awesome. It was pretty nuts. That's awesome. All right, so uh, I feel like we're losing a little steam here. So let's uh, yep. So let's talk about the tour. Okay, Joe, talk about the tour. 
All right, so here's the idea for the world tour. Um, we want people to participate in this with us, but you don't have to go to the events we're going to. We don't want to like come out and say, like, these are the five events for the Rage of Sigmar world tour. That doesn't work because if we wanted to make it um, inclusive, inclusive, you can't be like, oh, these are five dates, clear your calendars. Like, this could be someone's wedding anniversary. Like, you know right. what I mean? Like, and we'll, we'll tell you what events we're going to so you can join us on the tour, but, but you can also participate remotely or without going to those same events that we're going to and what we're thinking is five events across three continents in or five countries or five countries so like if you're in like we just didn't want to make it too it's like for american players or from for canadian players or maybe australia for australian and new zealand players hitting five countries or three continents is a lot harder Oh, hitting five countries is a lot harder for them than it would be if you were like in uh, Munich, say. Say you're in Munich and there was an, a, a tournament in France and then you had played in Germany and then you played in Italy. Belgium. Yeah, then, exactly. Yeah. So but like if you're playing if you're playing in Latvia, right, you have so many of those little tiny post-Soviet nations. You could probably even like ride your motorcycle 25 minutes to each of those tournaments. I guess it's not called a motorcycle. I guess it's a Vespa. Anyway, you could make all those different tournaments in in five weeks and it would be super easy so we're just trying to encourage people to also cross-pollinate the scene because because of how much fun i had going to the uk right like it makes me want to play other people from other countries more and engage in this thing that we all love just spread the community spread the love and and make that make this net because we have we all have this pretty loose network of of warhammer friends like i talk to people in australia new zealand in poland right but like i don't have the relationship i have with them that I have with my friend here in Chicago because I've, you know, been out to the Chicago tournaments two or three times, but going out and meeting up with my friends from the UK a second time, going to New Zealand, going to Australia, those are going to be things that really strengthen those relationships that we're pretty excited about. I think it would be fair for us to like make it a requirement to, to be involved in the, the world tour to go to all the same tournaments as us because no one's going to be able to clear schedules exactly the same way we are. So what we want to do is compile a list of events that are going to participate in the AOS World Tour. And this is only something we're going to do if we can get like 10 guys to agree to it. If we can get like 10, 10 different, like 8 more people than us to go, we're going to try and hit 5 tournaments. In 5 countries. In 5 countries or 3 continents. In the in the calendar year of 2020. Yeah, I still think it should be it should be 5 countries across 3 con- continents. Not, okay. Because like, if you're like, yeah. uh, if you do 2 continents and like say you're in... Um, you're in the UK and you just do like three tournaments in the UK and then two in uh, continental Europe, right? Like, well, con- I don't know. Is the UK part of the, listen, we don't have good education in the United States. So <laughs> I don't even know. Are you guys part of continental Europe? You are, you are part of continental Europe. They are. They are. I was um, going to let you keep going though. <laughs> yeah. I felt like I knew that when I started and then like, I'm just an idiot, but all right. So like, if you're a Warhammer Age of Sigmar player that's playing in tournaments and traveling, and you're from Morocco. You can't just go to Gibraltar and play and get two. Like that ain't fair. <laughs> you know what I mean, you can't play in three local events in Morocco, and you can't go across the water to Spain and play in two events. Like I mean, right, like so you have to play in in five different countries across three continents. Yes, and the tournaments have to have a minimum of forty players. Yeah, like you can't. And so just, we're going to be doing we're going to be doing best in faction. Okay. We're gonna do best overall. Yep. For this tour, and we're yep. gonna do a go best. Do a, we're gonna do a best paint. And what we're gonna basically do is we're gonna compile all the data that we get from those tournaments that you played in, and then we're gonna average it all together, 
and then we'll have like a best over like you know you'll, you'll have like the best of the Rage of Sigmar World Tour like and then we're gonna just throw we're gonna make some ridiculous prizes and mail them to you and then if or we the- if we win it we're basically just gonna talk shit to everyone else like hey we're better than you so you guys and, don't want us to win it yeah and really this is more incentive for you all to sign up because if you don't it's just us two we're still gonna say there were 10 plus people we're yeah. gonna claim that we are the world champions of rage of sigmar yeah but we would really we really kind of want to make this a thing we kind of want to grow this game internationally yeah i mean like there was always guys coming to a down from england Yep, and there was always, you know, I, I remember the dudes from Point Hammered went to England a long time ago to play in a tournament. Um, yep. that's always kind of been a thing. We've always had like the U.S. to England, England to U.S. kind of thing. And like, we want to we want to increase that cross pollination because there's also there's a lot of Canadians that come down for U.S. tournaments. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if there's a lot of U.S. guys that are going up to Canada. So our our goal right now is to have to go to a U.S. tournament, go to a Canadian tournament. Go to New Zealand tournament, go to an Australia tournament, and go to one in the UK. But now we also are attacking on Scotland on top of that because we've got well, the so U- many. The great UK responses. includes Scotland. The United Kingdom is Scotland also. No, but like it's not. Like Scotland is its own thing. I thought I thought the like Ireland, Scotland, Wales, England, Part of, parts of Ireland. Also, they don't even know where Wales is. Wales is Wales is more of an idea than a place. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Wales is. On the western side of I, I'm, right, but there's no there's no boundary there's no there's no line like no. nobody who lives in Wales can even tell you like that street over there that's where you that's where like England starts and Wales stops. I got something to say about the Welsh, and that's not that I'm like I just don't understand what the fuck is going on with your language. <laughs> like I see that shit written, and I'm like, is this what how Mirishers names all their stuff? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's just it's in Welsh. It's got to be. It's crazy. Um, so, but we do want to get back across the quote, the proverbial pond, go to either England or, I mean, Scotland and but not England. Both, not both. Well, yeah. I, I want to do both. I, I would like to do both. I definitely want to do Bobo and I definitely want to go to the tournament Scott Smith invited us to. Yeah, but one of those is in January and one of them's in like June or July. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, anyway, first off, I would love to go see Scotland in January. I hear it's very warm there. In the wintry months, um, I can't wait to fall into a bog and drink my pee like Bear Grylls and eat a fish. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but um, I definitely hit that up. I definitely want to hit up Bobo. Bobo sounds great. Um, and then I want to do. Um, I can't pronounce the dude's name on Twitter. Sombreen, Sombreen. I'm butchering it, but he invited us to Belgium. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That'd be yeah. cool too. I'm so sorry I butchered your Twitter name, dude. But I just I can't say it. He's gonna be um, like, it's just some Brian. Yeah. Oh damn, I'm retarded. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he invited us to Belgium. Yeah, you know, those are the kind of things I want to do. And like, the thing about the Rage of Sigmar doing the world tour is that, like, it's hard enough to go to my wife. Hey, I want to go to a tournament for a weekend. I'm gonna be gone for five days. Like going to Vegas, I'm gonna be gone for five days. Yep. And she's like not super stoked about that. And it's not like Vegas something to hop home from real easily. Yeah. But going to New Zealand and Australia are two things that me and my wife have talked about since we went to New Zealand for our for our uh, honeymoon. So, like, she wants to go back to New Zealand. So she's like, yeah. for me to be able to say, let's go to New Zealand again, I'm also going to play a game of Warhammer, play some Warhammer while we're there. Yeah. She's totally cool with that, especially if you and Margo are going also. Definitely. So and we if, if people can can swing it and do the caravan with us, 
that'd be even better. But just getting people involved in cross-pollinating the Warhammer scene, I guess, is a big, is like the big motivator for us. Yeah, like, exactly. And um, going to Australia has also been something that me and my wife said we were going to definitely do if we're going to make the 12 and a half hour flight back to New Zealand. We exactly. might as well fly. Take the three hour flight. Yeah, to New Australia and go go to Australia too and see that part of the world. So that's important to us. And then yeah. um, she, I'm sure she would love, she'd love to go to England and or the UK. Um, I'm not so sure if she'd want to go to Scotland in January, but <laughs> we'll figure it out. But like, you know, I mean like. It's got to be better New York in January. No, it's probably colder, I would think. I mean, I don't know, dude. I work outside, dude. I freeze to death. So, it is what it is. But we're we're doing this thing. We want people to get involved in it. We want to see more people coming to us to play. We want to see it going around the world to play. We want to see people coming out and being like, man, those Rage of Sigmar guys are assholes everywhere they go. Um, and that's what we're going to do. And we're just going to try and make it a thing. And if you are interested in competing or being a member or just if you want your tournament to get plugged for this if you say hey i have this tournament i run in this country and i would like to see some americans or i'd like to see some australians or i'd like to see some uh people from the uk i don't know what you guys are calling or i want people to come <laughs> except for jim joe yeah or i want uh people that aren't going to come to my tournament and then uh bad mouth my whole tournament because they had one bad game Yeah, Nova sucked. Yeah, Nova sucked. Um, but on the all, like if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for that, that we want to get that involved. We can compile this. I mean, I know Dan AOS Shorts already has a list of all the Age of Sigmar tournaments. But like, if you want to be able to throw the official, oh, part of the official Rage of Sigmar World Tour, throw that on there. We'll throw you some shout-outs. Maybe we'll come to your tournament. If anything, maybe we'll just send you a bunch of stickers to give out. We could do something. Yeah. You know? And then... We'll figure something out. I mean, Sounds we, good. we got plans. We got plans within plans. And um, I'm planning on making a website for like a blog for us and for that information to be kept so we could get that all together on one spot and you guys will be able to look at it. So we'll probably talk about that in the next episode. Yeah, man. All right, so I think that's going to wrap it up for us. But before we go, I did want to ask Joe if you want to publicly name any any goals you have for the next month since you're going to be at home and you're going to have time to get some hobby stuff done. See if you can't live up to your own expectations. So if we recorded a month from today, that would be December 4th. And I would be, um, in that time period, I'm having surgery. So I'm going to be off my feet for that. But hopefully I'll be able to paint. I don't know. I might paint a bunch of models really fucked up because I'm going to be eating Percocet. Um, but my goal by the end of my paternity leave was to have my Idenf Deepkin army painted. That is my bare minimum. What yep. I would like is to have my Idenf Deepkin army painted and my entire Flesh Eater Quartz built and yep. maybe primed. That would be my best case scenario for me. Um, but we'll see where I get, dude. Every day sure. is a different day. You never know. Some days my li- Lily needs a lot of care. Yep. And some days she don't. And then as long as I can resist buying Fallout 76 and Red, Dem- Red Dead Redemption 2, I'll be all right. Yeah. You'll so, get there. Yeah. I think for me, my goal is to actually finish painting this Stormcast army and get a strong start on what I'm adding to the army, which is more evocators, because that's how you win with Stormcast. Yeah. Um, I also, so for the Brew City, you you bring terrain, so I'm going to be painting up some terrain. I want to actually get, get more done on all the terrain that Anthony has printed for me uh, and actually get that stuff table ready, because right now it's two-thirds done. You know, it's like 
good base coats but not quite finished. So uh, I'll get that. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Again, if you want to tweet at us, it's at of Sigmar, or you can reach us at Gmail on our email account with the Gmails, which is Rage of Sigmar Podcast at Gmail dot com. Yeah, you said Gmail so many times. Yeah, it's our email account. Yeah, for this for this for the show. And um, I don't know, man. I yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, we we got a couple great uh, reviews so far on iTunes. If you want to let us know what you think of the show, and it's not via Twitter or our email on Gmail, uh, you can also drop us a, an email through the iTunes review process, or you can email us through Podbean and subscribe <laughs> like that. But I like seeing those too. Real quick, before we go, I want to point something out to our listeners. Um, so we did get some flack on the last episode. And somebody on Podbean, like, tried to get us banned from Podbean and for whatever reason. But <laughs> Podbean was just like, hey, here's this guy's email. And the email's like, these guys are fucking bullies and giant pieces of shit. Their podcast shouldn't be out there. And I was like, they gave us this email. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, if we really are... We're going to play this guy next. <laughs> I was like, fuck, dude. I could sign this guy up for a ton of training. I, I wouldn't do that. I would not do that. I have no desire to continue that sort of action. Or, you know, I mean, unless you give me a good reason to, then I'll be a dick. But, um, oh, we could have signed up for so yeah. many cat fact emails. I was just, I don't even know, dude. There's so much shit that we could have did. And I just think it's kind of shitty at Podbean to give the guy's email out. Right. <laughs> like, just, so just if, so everyone here knows that if you want to, like, complain about us, don't email Podbean. <laughs> They're going to let us know who you are. You can. Yeah. We'll, but we're yeah. just going to email you and ask what's up. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of like an infringement of your privacy to be like, hey, man, these guys are like, that's like, that's like calling the government and being like, these Nazis, they're like, <laughs> these Nazis are on my block killing people. And they're like, hey, Nazis on their block. Um, we, we heard from Jacob, you're killing people. Yeah. You should resolve that with him. Yeah, exactly. So That like, is all the action we're taking. Like, yeah, so that's fucked up. So good job, Podbean. Thanks a lot. Cool. This will probably be our last episode because they're going to kick us off now that we started talking shit to them. Yeah. Um, also, I just don't understand what would that have... Co- uh, I don't even want to talk about it. Thanks for listening, folks. We would just host our somewhere else, guy. Okay. <laughs> All right, dude. So. Punch you in your face, motherfucker. I knock your teeth out. Hey, time I come through, nigga, I got my heat out. If you want smoke, ain't nothing we got to speak about. See you with that red flag on with that beep on. Punch you in your face, motherfucker, I knock your teeth out. Hey, time I come through, nigga, I got my heat out. If you want smoke, ain't nothing we got to speak about. See you with that red flag on with that beep on. Throw, 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 throw your hood up, nigga, bang. How you try to wreck the hood? You ain't even dang. Throw, 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 throw your hood up, nigga. On you niggas. Y'all don't bleed like I bleed, I'm gorilla. The homies mad cause some crips is my hitter. I do a show, drop a bag, they gon' get you. I'm, I'm colorblind, I can't see shit.